0: Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host,
1: Seth Martin. Uh, All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Glad you're here. Happy you're listening. Student debt is an enormous problem in our country. Uh, There's no debate about that. Um, The question really is, is what to do about it. And maybe another question about it would be what caused it. Uh, But as normal, or as usual, when things enter the political realm, they get cloudy and murky and political. So uh, this subject is no different. Um, But just to kind of put this in context when I was in college you could take about 15 hours all in at Texas A&M University uh, for just under a thousand dollars and what I mean all in I mean student services um, all kinds of different fees uh, sports pass everything for a semester it's about thousand dollars maybe a little less sometimes it was less and now that same complement of services cost about ten thousand dollars that's a thousand percent increase okay thousand percent increase to put that in perspective rent and i know this because i have someone in college uh but rent is about 700 a month currently um and that's you know, plus or minus 50, you might be able to find $50 cheaper, $50 more expensive. And that uh, that's about twice what it was when I was in college. So I graduated in 1990. So we're talking about 32 years ago. So a tenfold increase in the price of tuition and, and fees for college, uh, when there was only a, basically a doubling of rent over that same period of time. Uh, and food is about the same. It's about doubled, maybe a little bit more than doubled, maybe maybe uh, 250%, 300% maybe even. So the question is, why is college so much more expensive? And in a word, government. Government doesn't make things less expensive. Now, it, it can do things like subsidize uh, Uh, various uh, initiatives that it has and make them lower cost for you as an individual but that doesn't lower the cost of the good or service this is a this is something they constantly conflate when they're talking to voters is they talk about lowering the cost of prescription drugs or lowering the cost of college tuition They, they the only thing that can lower the cost of those things is market competition And innovation in those areas. And so government, uh, you know, taking over the loan, the student federal loan program or uh, subsidizing uh, certain students because of their race or their socioeconomic status or their gender or a host of other reasons, this doesn't lower the cost uh, to go to college. It just transfers the cost to someone else. And this is a this is one of the the fundamental problems with this discussion about education in America, and so today we're gonna we're gonna use I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of chop up two uh, interviews. One is on Kennedy, where she has Jonathan honagon who is a really good. Um, um, he's a financial guy. He has a, a, a company called Capitalist Pig Investments, and he manages money for a living. But he's also a very good libertarian, and he's he's. Uh, his opinions and what he has to say on various subjects is, is interesting and usually very accurate. So let's start with uh, Kennedy and Jonathan Honig.
2: President Biden re- repeatedly claimed he's going to do anything to tackle inflation. Why is he considering a policy that will likely make things much worse? Here's what's going on. The pandemic student loan payment pause. That ends August 31st. That means millions of college graduates will have to start paying the piper while battling historic inflation and a technical recession. But now the Biden administration reportedly considering extending the payment pause and potentially canceling up to $50,000 in student loan debt per borrower. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, who served under two Democrat presidents, says that would be a huge mistake, he tweeted. "Quote." Student loan debt relief is spending that raises demand and increases inflation. It consumes resources that could be better used, helping those who did not, for whatever reason, have the chance to attend college. It will also tend to be inflationary by raising tuitions.
1: Kennedy has presented a very good overview of the subject. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, she talks about is that since the pandemic, so this really started under Trump, okay, this is... uh, This is another kind of reason why I didn't vote for Trump initially. You know, I don't want to get into all that, but, you know, I did vote for him the second time, which he, when he lost, but, you know, you have to understand these kinds of things. You can't just do something because you feel sorry for some group of people. These people that have student loan debt, they signed on a dotted line. They knew what they were taking on. Just like you know what you're taking on when you buy a car or you buy anything. I mean, you, you stick your credit card in a machine and you buy something. You know that that bill is coming 30 days later. And so student loans are really no different than any other good or service in the economy. And But, you know, this is a political football because now this has become a large voting block of people and of course, if some st- politician stands up and says, I'm going to lower your student loan debt or I'm going to cancel it, uh, that that person is going to get a lot of votes. Uh, now, moving on to what Larry Summers said, uh, this is what Larry Summers said about it being inflationary. That's true of anything that government spends money on. Anytime government spends money on something, they're using resources, they're they're tagging certain resources for certain use in the economy, but those resources may or may not be the resources that consumers want, and so that ends up in, in a, in a in what we call malinvestment. So, um, you know, this is, this is just another bad idea. We're going to listen to Jonathan Honig talk about how bad of an idea it is in just a second, but uh, government subsidizing it or canceling someone's obligation uh, won't make college less expensive. In fact, it'll probably make it more expensive for the next generation of people that have to go to college.
2: So how bad would canceling student loan debt actually be? Here with me now in studio. He's okay. Capitalist pig hedge fund manager, Fox News contributor, professional stuntman. Jonathan Hoenig is back.
3: Great to be with Great you. Great to see you.
2: Me. The last time you were here, you brought us Junior's Cheesecake.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I thought I'd just bring you some bad news instead today. I mean, Thank this you. But is, this is really disturbing. I mean, why is an iPhone cheap and a college, exp- uh, college education is so expensive? It's one word. It's government. And governments dominated education, literally, since for years. And all those incentives, all those subsidies have created the bubble just like the housing bubble. Mm. And Biden, unfortunately, is, in a sense, Kind of throwing fuel on the fire. Instead of uh, attacking the actual problem, the infrastructure, if you will, of governments involved in an education, yes. he's going to subsidize it even more. And, you know, since 1980, when Carter created the Department of Education, the costs of in- education have far outpaced inflation. So we need to be cutting government out, out of education, and Biden's doing just the opposite.
1: Since about 1945, right after World War II, the government has been involved in education heavily involved in education. Uh, right after World War II, uh, they subsidized millions. Now you could, I'm not arguing whether or not this was a good idea, like this wasn't a good investment or, or whatever. I'm just saying this is this is what happens. Um, uh, you had the GI Bill, which, which we still have today. I mean, you can join the military and the government will turn around and pay for your education. But this is This is a use of resources and a manipulation of the market that has major, major uh, consequences. And we're seeing some of those consequences today where people that really want to go and, you know, be a doctor or a lawyer or or an engineer or something like that, where you actually do have to go to college to get those types of degrees. Unlike studying something like um, gender studies or black studies or, you know, African-American studies, I think is what they call it. Or, you know, these types of things, these, these people become, you know, they graduate from college and become professional agitators or rebel rousers on Twitter or social justice warriors. They're not actually doing anything productive, at least in my opinion, in the economy. They're not, uh, they're not selling or producing anything that I want to buy. They, they comment a lot on, on TV news stations, but most of what they're thinking is, is just garbage and they don't really have anything productive or useful to say. And, uh, and, and a lot of people have these degrees, and they have tremendous amount of debt. And many of them work inside the government. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest lined up around this particular, um, this particular issue, and none of it is going to make college less expensive than it currently is.
2: So if you're telling an entire group of people, hey, just stop paying your bills, why wouldn't they stop with housing and everything else.
1: Well, you know,
3: in, in, in Europe, there's a movement now to end rent, and f- first and foremost, it's unfair. It's unfair to the people who paid their bills, who acted responsibly, and as you said, Kennedy, I mean, this sense a terrible, what they call moral hazard. What's it going to be next? I don't want to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay my medical bills, bills. So this just ingratiates more and more government into every element of our lives, and as you said, doesn't do anything to actually direct the problem. All that government incentive uh, is malinvestment, so just like people. People bought overpriced homes in, in 2000 to 2004, thanks to those government loans. People have bought way overpriced public educations, oftentimes with stuff like, you know, gender studies, etc. So people have overpaid for education. Now the Piper's being paid and government's saying, in effect, well, don't cover that cost. Government will pay for it. Whose government? The taxpayers, our viewers, people who actually, you know, work for a living and pay their bills on time.
1: Where does all this stop, you know, this paternalistic nature that the government has with its citizens is, is just, um, you know, they they, want to become our family, right? I mean, they want to be, they want to tell us what to do. Uh, they're treating us all as if we're, you know, 12 years old, you know, just do what we tell you to do. Don't worry about the cost. We'll take care of it. Just pay your taxes. And of course, even though taxes have remained relatively low, we're borrowing lots of money. So, we're paying, we're going to be paying it back in inflation. So there is no way, there is no way to get these things without paying for them. They have to be paid for. There's uh, there's this thinking that people had that, Oh, the government will pay for it. Well, who is the government? You know, well, the government is paid for by the people either in the form of taxes or in the form of uh, inflation because the government mismanaged the borrowing. So there's just no way around this, and and, uh, and I agree with some of the left's arguments. You know, like we always seem to find money to pay for, gov- uh, you know, military and war. Well, I agree. Why? Why is that? Why do we always seem to find money to pay for military and war? I, I think that's a valid argument, but it doesn't change, you know, the argument around uh, student loans and education. Yeah,
2: and there are people who are like, well, the federal government owns that debt, so it's not like taxpayers have to pay it. How do you think the federal government gets their money? Exactly. They get it I mean, from taxpayers.
3: And this is pouring mo- pouring fuel on inflation. I mean, look, it's lower-income folks, people with less money, mm-hmm. who are being most hurt by inflation. All this, whether it's $300 billion, They also
2: don't have college degrees, but they're paying for the top one-third earners in society. They're paying for their college. yes. It yes. is so incredibly unfair. And six out of ten people who were polled recently think that if you forgive student loan debt, it's going to make inflation worse. They know that. People aren't yeah. dumb. Even if they didn't go to college, guess what? They're not dumb.
3: Well, I think, actually, if they didn't go to an elite school these days, they're a lot smarter than those who did go to an elite school. But
1: Yeah, intuitively, people know this is a bad idea. They may not be able to explain exactly why it's a bad idea, but intuitively, they know it's a bad idea. They know you can't get something for nothing. Um, and they know that some of these people that went to elite schools and have a quarter of a million dollars in debt have a useless education. I mean, they studied something that nobody wants to buy in the economy. <laughs> I mean, you have to add value in the economy. People don't want to just give you money because you went to Yale or you went to Princeton. They they, they want to give you money because you're doing something for them that makes their life better, or they're, you're, you've produced a product that makes them more productive in their company or something. They don't want to just listen to you yammer on about gender studies or African-American studies and, um, you know, what happened 400 years ago and how, uh, you know, it's, it's led to systemic this and systemic that. They, they don't care about any of that. They're trying to survive inside the economy.
3: It's fueling the fans of inflation, making it even, even worse, not addressing the problem. Mm. You know, and that's my fear, is that you know we're going to basically, once again, repeat Carter's mistakes. More and more government spending, so turning what could be a one- or two-year inflationary cycle yeah. into a decade-inflationary cycle, and all the time the quality of education goes down.
1: I don't see how anybody can argue with that. I mean, the more money the government throws at education, the worse the quality of the education gets. Nobody, I, I don't think that's even in dispute anymore. Nobody can really even argue the other side of that. It's just factually um, true. I mean, it just it just is.
3: The irony is that if you told, you know, is there anyone on either side of the aisle who's advocating for getting government out of education? I mean, it sounds like a Looney Tunes yeah, idea. Yeah, Cory Lori
2: DeAngelis who was just well, on. Well, that's it. I mean, that's <laughs> the,
3: the only thing that can solve this uh, education crisis, yeah. getting government out of education, and you'll make education just as cheap as an iPhone.
2: Yeah, and abolish the Department of Education while you're at it.
1: The only way to make things less expensive in the economy, the only way is to unleash the market forces on it. That's the only way. People will innovate. They will compete. They'll run lean organizations. uh, They won't have bloated administrations and pay people to do PR and lobby the government and all this stuff. They won't have all that. Right now we have all that because they go to the government to get the money. That's where they go. They don't have to go to the market. And consequently, things get expensive. Okay, I'm going to switch to this other interview, and it's on Mehdi Hassan's show, and I'm going to have to chop it up pretty good, but I especially want you to listen to this one lady. She's just she's talking about the social contract and so on and so forth, and I forgot where she went to school, but she went to a pretty good school, but I'm just telling you right now, the lady uh, is dumb as a box of rocks.
0: Especially considering that borrowers under the age of 35 owe over $600 billion in collective federal student debt. And the amount of debt per borrower has increased more than 300% since 1970. This crisis also disproportionately affects people of color, with 10% more black adults reporting federal loan debt than white adults. So it's a real equity issue and a real financial problem. But loan forgiveness also has its detractors. Some worry it's an ineffectual band-aid on a deeper problem. Others argue it wouldn't be fair to taxpayers who either didn't attend college or went to less expensive schools to avoid racking up debt. Today, we've got guests from both sides of the argument here.
1: I wanted to play that lengthy introduction because there's a lot of things that Mehdi is talking about in there that don't have anything to do with this subject, like equity and black borrowers and all this kind of stuff. This doesn't have anything to do with the problem. How did such a large debt become uh, a problem? Did it, How did it get accumulated? Um, you know, He mentions that there's $600 billion dollars uh, in debt from, uh, from people that are under 30, I think he said under 30 years old. And so, as you can imagine, this is a huge drag on the start to their lives, right? How do you get married? How do you buy a house? How do you, you know, raise a family? These are all huge problems, right, for people that are carrying a lot of debt going into marriage. I mean, marriage and raising a family and doing all that is, is expensive enough without having a huge debt burden. But you've got a lot of young people that are in this situation. So this is a problem. There is no doubt this is a problem. But who should pay for it and, you know, how it should get solved? These are the, these are the questions that uh, really need to be debated. And the problem is it, it doesn't follow logically that a bunch of people got into debt spent too much money going to colleges and getting degrees that are worthless, and therefore I, a taxpayer, should pay for it. Or the government, collectively taxpayers, the government, should pay for it. There's just no logical connection there. And any time you, you you interfere with the connection between uh, where a good is it comes from and who acquires it and how they acquire it, uh, and, you, and you, you sever that connection, or you interfere with that connection, that's an intervention, and that has huge, huge consequences in the economy. Uh, one, of the, one of the people, uh, they talk about moral hazard in this interview, and that's, that's one, just one of the problems, but there's a whole host of other problems when you, when you have an intervention of this size and of, of, of something as popular as college
0: to debate whether Biden should or should not cancel student debt. Joining me is former Ohio State Senator Nina Turner, who also served as national co-chair of Senator Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign. Also here is former conservative radio host, now the Bulwark's editor-at-large, Charlie Sykes, who's also an MSNBC contributor. Thank you both for joining me. Uh, Nina, one of the most common critiques of student loan forgiveness is, it's really expensive, who's going to pay for it? What's your answer to that?
4: this should be considered part of a social contract in the same way in this country we finally decided that k-12 through education should be taken care of by the taxpayers we must do the same thing right now for the 45 million uh, people who have that student debt and then beyond that making sure that college and universities are tuition free so that people don't find the, find the, find themselves in this dilemma The whole notion of going to college was really about people trying to change the trajectory of their lives and so in doing that they should not be saddled with debt for the rest of their lives the way that college and universities have to be paid for through loans is nothing but a scam a giveaway uh, to the banks and it is a burden on the american people and just as there was no hesitation to bail out wall street it is time to bail out people in the hoods all over this country whether they're rural, urban, or suburban. So this is about a social contract in, this, in these United States of America.
1: Just look how dumb people are coming out of public schools in K-12 through 12 right now. I mean, can we afford to have a greater number of our population uh, getting, let's say, college-level degrees but actually not learning anything I mean, can we can we actually afford that as a society? I mean, we need to get rid of K through twelve uh, government funding of schools. That that's that has been a complete disaster. I don't see how anybody can look at that and say, "Oh, that's what we need to do for you know college education." That's ridiculous. That's just somebody who doesn't understand really even the social contract. Uh, you know, social contract theory doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, anyway, I mean, the, the woman is just, I'm sorry to say is just an imbecile. She was a state Senator or something in Ohio. And I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how she got to where she was, but, um, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about, pure and simple. Uh, there's nothing worse than you could do for college education than put more government into it. Um, that, that's just not that's just doesn't uh, follow. Um, now I do agree with her that we should not be bailing out banks and other failed institutions, um, but it doesn't follow again that we should bail out colleges because um, students uh, of age and know better uh, took out too many loans uh, to get a college education and now can't afford them because the education they got is not uh, bringing enough value uh, to them in the free market. Again, when you go to college, you presumably have to study something that will, you know, provide value in the free market because that's where you have to live, is in the free market. But many, many people didn't do that. Many, many people studied psychology. They, They studied all kinds of things that are great things to know about but they just don't produce that much wealth in our society and therefore uh, don't generate enough income to service the debt that they took on.
0: Charlie, uh, it's a bailout, to use Nina's phrase, that over half the country supports at least partial student loan forgiveness, that is, including, according to one poll, a majority of adults who didn't attend college. So it's a popular policy. What is your objection to it?
5: Well, first of all, I think it's a legitimate problem, the cost of higher education and the access to higher education. I've written several books about it, uh, documenting the the incredible increase in tuitions over the last few years. But I have to say these proposals are, are bad politics and they are bad public policy. Some of the giveaways, some of the bailouts would be regressive. Most of the benefits would go to upper income individuals. They do not address the underlying problems of uh, the cost of higher education or the accessibility. And keep in mind um, that these proposals do not wipe out the debt. It's simply, they simply transfer the debt to the 220 million American adults who don't have student debt. They do not make college cheaper. In fact, they may encourage colleges to raise their tuition. It's backward looking, it doesn't help future borrowers. And because it sets a precedent of forgiving the loans, uh, future students may expect another loan forgiveness. So take on more debt going forward. That's the concept of of moral hazard.
1: Well, I agree with this guy 100 percent. It's a huge problem. But the way you attack problems is you don't look at the symptoms and treat the symptoms. Okay, you treat the underlying cause and the underlying cause is the cost. That's why the that's why the debt service is so high. The cost is outrageous in these uh, in these universities, and the reason it's outrageous is because it's easy to get money. And so, what these universities have done is they've built, they've spent tens of millions of dollars on fancy football stadiums, fancy student centers, uh, fancy parks, and all kinds of things that students like that would attract students because it's a competition for the money. Okay, These universities are trying to attract students that will spend that money that's going to come from the federal student loan program at their university. So what do the universities do? Well, they they increased costs by adding a bunch of stuff that students like. And a lot of these students went to these schools and they took classes that didn't prepare them for the real world, but they had a great time going to football games, playing at all the uh, intramural sports at all the fancy student center uh, facilities and, you know, just had a great time. Uh, and and now the the hangover comes, right? The hangover is the bill is due. And and they're looking around to see who's going to help them pay it. And, you know, that's just not how the world works. But if you want to treat the actual problem, what you do is you cut the money off and you force these institutions to compete for the dollars in the open marketplace. Compete for those those tuition dollars without the, the government largesse behind it. The other thing he brings up here is moral hazard. And, and a lot of times people don't understand, you know, it's, it's hard to see the connection of moral hazard, right? But just look at immigration, okay? A bunch of people float across the border way back in the 80s. Um, we had, I don't know, a million and a half illegals in the country in the early 80s. And uh, under the Reagan administration, he said, This is the one time we're going to do it. We're going to pass this amnesty bill. And ever since then, you've had just more and more and more people flooding over our border to the south. And that is a perfect example of moral hazard. We have basically signaled to the rest of the world, that it's okay to just come across the border. We're not going to prosecute you. We're not going to throw you in jail. Hell, we're not even going to send you back to your co- country of origin. We're just going to let you hang out here until one day some politician shows up and gives you amnesty. That's, that's moral hazard. That's a great example of moral hazard. And the same thing will happen in the student loan industry. If you, if you forgive these loans more and more students than ever are going to try to go to college. They're going to be taking on more and more debt. And they're going to be sitting around waiting for somebody to wipe it away. That's that's moral hazard.
5: And unfortunately, this is not targeted to all the people who need it. There are a lot of people out okay. there who are suffering with debt, who are unemployed, who may be suffering with medical debt. And um, they will not be helped by this. this okay. so this is this is This is a social contract that deals with a very... You know, in many of them, a privileged subset.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's there's people all throughout our economy that have all kinds of different debt, and debt in general is debilitating. It 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 requires you to consume less today to pay for something you consumed more of in the future, in the past. And so, you know, this is just painful. It's painful to have debt, uh, and this is an important lesson for people. The, this is the the lesson that needs to be learned, and as far as you know the political aspects, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not fair. Okay, a lot of people. What about the people that worked through college? I know people that worked all the way through college and took you know twice as long to get out. What about those people? I mean, the truth is, and those people are doing the best in the economy. They're, they're the ones that make the most of the money, most of the money in the economy today. Why? Because they earned it, and they know what it takes to get something done. So this is just a a horrible idea. This other woman that we heard from earlier, she's shaking her head, so we're gonna hear her rebuttal right now, but I guarantee you it's gonna be dumb.
4: Let's, I mean, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and cancel medical debt too while we're at it. I'm glad that you laid that out there. This is not unfair. What is unfair is to continue to prop up a system that by its very nature, continues to put people in a cycle of debt. And what was their crime? The simple crime of going to college. Now, there was a time in the United States of America where tuition, as you pointed out, was not as high as it, was, as it is right now. And, and I know many elders who are from states like New York and California who paid nowhere near the debt, had nowhere near the college debt that people have today. So sure. instead of looking at this as a us versus them, Because that's the mentality that will get other people revved up. We have to look at this as a social contract in the United States of America.
1: This woman went to college to learn word salad language. That's what she went to college to do. She starts off by talking about it's unfair because we continue to prop up a system that puts people into a debt cycle. Well, okay. But getting into debt is voluntary. That's a fact. So I don't know what she means by a system that puts people into debt cycle I, personally i'm not in any debt nobody's put me into any debt uh, and then and then she goes on to say for what why you know why do we put people into this debt cycle for the crime of going to college nobody here is talking about going to college as being a crime that's not a crime you go to college to improve your your well-being your standing in society Your your to increase the number of opportunities that you might have. I mean, this is just ridiculous. And she goes on to say that this is, uh, this is creating an us versus them type of situation. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's true. I, I don't see it that way. Um, but maybe people feel that way. Uh, the reality is none of this really matters, okay? The only thing that matters is that bailing it out using government largesse, will make the whole thing even worse for a whole other group of people, a whole other wave of people that are right now in kindergarten or in sixth grade or they're in ninth grade, okay? That whole new wave of people, it's going to be worse for them if we do this. It's not just bad for the people that did this to themselves, it's going to be bad for future generations. That's the point of this whole argument, is to understand the cause of the problem and to not exacerbate it by doing the very things that we did before that will actually make it worse.
4: Poor people do have college degrees. I'm one of them. I grew up in a family that is, that was of the working poor. Teenage parents got married young, became a psycho breaker in my family. So I am among them. So there's something wrong with this. Wealthy people don't have college debt. The ultra, ultra wealthy, they pay for their debt. So you will, in fact, be helping the working poor. You'll be helping people yeah. who are trying to become cycle breakers. And there's a race aspect to this too many that I got to get out. Because black women yeah. carry the largest amount of student debt in the United States of America. So there is a caste and class component to this too. And it is the right thing to do both economically okay. and also morally.
1: Going to college in America is not a right. Okay, there's, It costs money. There are people that work at universities that make high incomes, that teach students, that coach football teams. I mean, all these people are employed and they have to be paid. So that's how you know it's not a right. It has to be paid for. And, you know, the government really screwed a bunch of people over, okay? Like they always do. Like Murray Rothbard said, they break your leg and then offer you a crutch. This is the way the government operates. But you had politicians get on TV for decades and, and say things like, you know, those people that go to college make a million and a half dollars more than than those that don't over a career. As if the college, as if going to college was the thing that made the difference. And of course, it may have made some difference, but it's not the difference maker. Okay? The difference maker is the person. And a lot of those people that went to college would have been successful anyway, and would have likely have made more money in the workforce because they were just brighter people to begin with. Potentially, I mean, there's no way to know that, but my point is going to college doesn't guarantee you anything. You can go to college and decide to raise children and not make any money in the economy. You can go to college and study psychology not get a PhD, and end up working at Verizon selling cell phones, making you know, just an average wage in the economy. So there's nothing magical about going to college. But politicians told us this for decades. Now you've got a bunch of people that fell for it, okay? And and why wouldn't they, right? They, they were told this. Um, people helped them all along the way, told them they were special. And you're special because you're, you know, you're of a particular ethnicity and you're going to be the first in your family and all this. And that's great. Okay. But my point is it it doesn't, it's not magic. There's nothing magic about going to college. And the politicians lied to people and told them that there was. And now that they've actually gone to college and they're not successful enough to pay for the degrees they got, they want other people to pay for it. That's just a fact. That's just what's happening. And now we're, we're into the discussion of, well, okay, what about the fairness of this? What about, you know, you're going to have people that didn't even go to college pay for people that went to college? I mean, what, how does that make any sense? You have all these questions now. And then, and then on top of all that is it just won't solve the problem. It's just treating the symptom. It won't actually make college less expensive. It'll actually make it more expensive. For future generations that want to go to college, so how's that gonna, how's that gonna help things? So you just have a bunch of people that don't really understand the problem. They're all looking at the symptoms, and the symptoms are bad. Admittedly, this is a big problem. This is keeping a lot of people from starting their lives. Um, you know, birth rates are down. I mean, marriages are down. You know, all this stuff is down, and a big part of it, I'm sure, is the fact that people are carrying a lot of debt. So this is just the state of things, but, uh, you know, we don't want to make things worse by adopting a dumb policy. And, you know, once again, Liberty has the best answer. And the best answer is get the government out of it. Let people figure out how to pay for college on their own. Let them work through school, whatever there's, you know, there's, there's student job programs. There's all kinds of things where they, they've invented to help people manage this but there's no doubt that tuition rates have gone sky high I think I started the program by telling you they've gone up a thousand percent since I was in college so that's a that's a tenfold increase nothing else has gone up that much not housing uh, not not anything else that we've seen a lot of inflation so there's definitely a problem there and like always right in the middle of this big problem is the government.